better or worse, the relationship between science, film, and media has long been intertwined. We're here to dissect that relationship, turning it inside out for all to see. And throughout the years, one truth has revealed itself. You don't need good science to make a good movie. But it sure makes it better. Hi everyone and welcome to The Real Science Cast, the podcast where three highly qualified adventurers pick a movie and then pick apart the science. My name's Kenan Smith and I'm here. Uh, my name is Sean Crossan and I'm here. Uh, my name is Michael Pace and I'm usually at least partially here. That's right guys, this is a podcast where we watch a movie and then we talk about the science in that movie. And this week we watched the 2016 alien movie I'm Here starring Avery Adams and Jeffrey Renner. Sean, your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> I really... <laughs> Sean. Did you just say Avery Adams? I really liked I really liked Avery's Avery's performance was particularly moving in this film, I would say. I thought it was weird that the aliens only lines were were here for the whole movie. Boy, yeah. Man, have I got egg on my face cuz I've been pronouncing it Amy this whole time and I'm so glad I didn't run into Avery because like <laughs> the spelling kind of threw me but Avery yeah, now that I hear it out loud, yeah. it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, there's yeah, it like it, it, it looks does. like an M, but if you zoom in really, really, really close, there's a V, an E, and an R in there. It's actually just a silent. <laughs> it's a silent M. It's a silent M, <laughs> and then under the two little humps, there's the V and the E and the R. You just have to zoom in. Oh. I I also really like the performance by uh, by Avery Adams' um, uh, sidekick, Jeffrey uh, Renner, a little 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 hawk boy. Yeah, Jeff. What Jeffrey Renner? Little Hawk Boy. Jeffrey Renner. De- uh, who is it? Jeffrey Renner? Little Hawk Boy, LHB, as I like to call the him. Sm- he did a very, very good job. The small bowman did do a good job of playing our science the representative. Sm- the small bowman. Um, Sean, your thoughts? Uh, sorry, my room is flooded with some sort of noxious gas, and I guess that's why uh, my voice sounds so weird. When I, I keep trying to say uh, Avery, but it, see, it keeps coming out Avery. I don't know why, but Little Hawkboy and Avery mm-hmm. had a real good time talking with the with the the people, the aliens from the space, and they said they did and then yeah they're it was hard to tell what they were saying which roughly to be translated mm-hmm. to we're here we're here we're here you know i'm gonna crack a window mm-hmm. and we'll see yeah. what, what uh maybe i can get some of this weird avery gas out of here you know okay some of just those avery fumes mm-hmm. oh yeah okay that's good here hold on let me just did you do it mm-hmm. so should we do our disclaimer oh, it smells now? so much more fresh in here no what if i wait hold on <laughs> What movie? Let me. Hey, Kenan, ask me what movie we watched. Sean, what movie did we watch this week? We watched I'm Here. Oh, damn it. Okay, hold on. Yeah, let, me, yeah. let me turn the fan on. <laughs> let me just get this going here. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, it's starting to move. Uh-huh. Okay, okay. It's starting okay. to shift. Okay, ask me yes. again. Ask me again. I think I yes. cleared out some of the gas. Sean, what movie right? did we watch this week on our science podcast? We watched Arrival. Oh, there we oh, go. Oh. We watched Arrival starring Amy Adams and uh, Little Hawk Boy. Oh, damn it. <laughs> nah, some of that gas is still in there, huh? No, nah, I just like calling him Little Hawk Boy because I don't yeah, remember that was his a, actual that was name. A, a genuine mistake. Je- Jeremy Bowman. Je- no, Je- Jeremy Bowman. Kenan, it's, you got to stop. It's Jeremy Renner. <laughs> we did watch Arrival this week, and we have a lot of thoughts on this film, and we're going to share those thoughts with you. Uh, but first, Pace has to do the disclaimers that we normally do. 
Pacer, are you doing the disclaimers? Is it your turn? I think that this time mm-hmm. our friend Matthew Licari and patron Matthew Licari does the disclaimers for us. Okay. Let's see. Um, I believe that's correct. I'd love to hear from Boogs. With that, let's let's let him let's let him do his thing. Ladies and gentlemen, Matthew Licari. <laughs> Thanks, fellas. You are listening to the real science cast where these three doctors are about to analyze the science and films that you request. You're about to hear some dirty, dirty words, and it is not safe for children. Seriously. They're about to use the words like clitorious and sperm. So strap the fucking cowboys and cowgirls and you gender neutral cows. Yeah! Oh wow. You know, it's it seems like it's it seems it seems like he sounds more attractive each time that I hear this happen. Wow. How is that how is that possible? Yeah, it's weird, you're right. Like I heard those disclaimers, and all I could think was, like, that guy sounds really hot. We've been listening yeah. to him for a while now, and it's weird because you're right. He does sound hotter every time. Yeah, it's got to be the un- it's the undercut. It's absolutely it's the undercut. undercut. Thank mm-hmm. you so much, Boogs, for to those be sure. amazing disclaimers. And now we have to roll some dice to figure out who's going to explain this ridiculous movie. Whoa. I would love to help with that. Uh, sorry, Sean. I said ridiculously good movie. It was just a oh, silent okay. good that was underneath the ridiculous <laughs> okay, really good. Small. I had to look under the two humps of yeah, the good. Right. <laughs> okay. Or of the I have my countdown. Sorry. Spin down. I got my die. Who did the plot last time? It was I think me. it was Kenan. Kenan yeah. did it. I, okay. I had to talk about weird science. <laughs> oh, it was you so did. difficult. Yeah. What a privilege for you. It was a privilege. All right, Are you ready, Sean? Ready? Yes. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. That's a fun. You just got wrecked. You just I got wrecked. F- I rolled an 18. <laughs> okay, so you're doing the plot. <laughs> Wait, fuck, is that how this yes! works? <laughs> yes! I thought the lowest person No! Did. Okay, I'm ready, don't worry, that's fine. No, we're good, we're good, it's fine. Hey, dude, um, oh, we've been doing right. this for like over two years. I don't do the plot that often because I'm bad at that's it. That's true. So. Pace, you don't, um, I do just step in and save you sometimes. We also we yes, do really generally do. try to avoid you doing the plot because you hate doing it. Yeah. I yeah. was... <laughs> Okay, on but today I'm going, to, I'm going to do well. Don't worry, I'm going to do well. It's okay. I'm I'm here for you. Oh, thanks. I appreciate you and your your lo- good logical brain. Um, so this is a movie. Yes. About a, <laughs> a lot of different things. Okay. Um, the the movie initiates with a short little montage, which we perceive to be something that has already happened in the past, and that is we are introduced to our main character. Amy Adams, Dr. Louise, what's her last name? Guzman? It doesn't matter. Sure. Dr. Louise Guzman, Bugman. Um, and Dr. Louise Bu- Dr. Louise Bugman is, mm. um, she has a daughter. And we get these sort of uh, fragmented images of her daughter growing up and going through all the things that happens whenever her daughter grows up. Something's happy, something's sad. And then we realize that uh, her daughter is, uh, acquires what I assume to be some form of cancer, and she dies. This all happens in the first 30 seconds of the movie. It's rough. It's yeah. very sad. I was like... It's a tough start. ...really, really wanting to watch the movie up because it was going to be more uplifting than that. Yes, and I was agreed. Like, That's yeah. the ironic thing about Up with the title of that movie and everything. Um, what was it? What if it was called Down? That could be That could be a good, fun twist. Well, that was things. the opening anyway. of the film was Down. Okay, guys, I'm going to stop you right now because we're only 30 seconds into arrival. So That's true. Okay. Uh, we then proceed into what we'll call like the main timeline of, of the film, or at least this is how we perceive it. 
at this point. And so we learned that Amy Adams' character, Dr. Lu- Dr. Louise, Louise Bugman, is a <laughs> linguist. I, I, and she I teaches... do need to interrupt you very quickly and apologize yes. for mispronouncing uh, Louise Guzman's uh, last uh, full name. Well, she's a fictional character, okay. so it's, right. it's okay. That's fair. Um, Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, I'm been so sorry, Miss Adams. Bugman, um, so... What did, what, did you, what did you say, Sean? I said you've been saying Bugman, so I don't know if Kenna needs to apologize. <laughs> I, I love you and Boogie. I think that's a fine last name. So we find out that Louise is a linguist, and they kind of throw us right in the deep end with this movie. There's not a, really a whole lot of buildup into the main event, and that is the arrival, capital A, of these, I guess I will call them pods or... Or shell looking like structures that 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 contain. I think they call them shells in the movie. I think they do. They call them shells. I thought they call them that eggs. contain. No, I think they call them I shells. Think shells. It's either shells or toenails. I don't remember what the technical. Oh god, that's awful. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure it's not toenails. I'm, I'm so go glad shells. you don't work for the military, Kenan, because you'd be naming this shit, and it's like a, it's awful. Hey, Sean, like, I'm tw- also glad I don't work for the military. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, twelve yeah. toenails have landed all over the world. <laughs> Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fucking awesome. <laughs> right. Um, so essentially, uh, these 12 shells have landed around planet Earth at different locations uh, near countries of prominence. Once they have landed, uh, the humans begin to interact with them uh, and in differing ways, varying upon the culture in which these shells happen to stumble upon. Uh, in the United States, one lands in Montana. And the combination of our main character, Louise, uh, Louis, Louise Bugman, and her friend, um, uh, um, Hawk, Hawk, Mc, Hawk McCool guy, Hawk McCool uh, astro- guy. <laughs> astrophysicist, Hawk McCool, yeah. <laughs> astrophysicist Jeremy Renner, uh, his character, they are tag teaming the goal to interact with these aliens and so essentially it functions on a sort of uh, time loop that where not no pun not i don't mean anything else by that aside from it's actually just a time loop um to where every 18 hours they have the chance to go up into these shells and attempt to communicate with these aliens they realize that these aliens their their, their verbal spoken language is is uninterpretable at least for the purposes of this film and so it, it they rely. Sounds, it kind of mm, sounds, like, if I may, pace. If I may, please do. I'm, I'm sort of the impressionist on the show, so I'm going to do a little yes. impression of these alien sounds. Oh, okay, yeah. let's hear that whale so, song, baby. Oh, do them. Do so them. it kind of sounds like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Dory. Thank you so much for All that right. foley work. That was good. Yeah, that was really good. That's so what, that's it what they like. sound like. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Amy Adams was like, I can't work with this. Uh, I can't with it. It's so hard to get. It's so hard to get good this alien health. This is so days, below right? my pay grade. She was like, This is garbage. You brought me a yak back with whale noises on it. A yak back with fucking famous podcast host Sean Cross and on it making whale sounds. <laughs> they move on to attempting to interpret and get the aliens to evoke a written form of language. Mm-hmm. And they are successful in this endeavor. Essentially, the aliens uh, communicate through uh, these visual circular symbols. Coffee stains. And, but, but they're all different. Say again, Kenneth. Coffee stains? 
coffee stains is that what you said yes. they do or like or like or like a rorschach <laughs> blot um but in a circular shape so they're all circular but they're all slightly different in regards to their their pattern mm-hmm. and things um mm-hmm. and they begin to realize this is how the uh, aliens communicate i'm going to do a slight montage do it please do the next point of the, mo- the next, next large portion of the movie is essentially them getting from point a which is explaining to the aliens this is what our basic vocabulary is. I am a human. My name is Louise. To the point where they essentially have a word bank with uh, all of these sort of associated alien symbols that they have now somehow interpreted to to represent certain ideas. And so it's important to note that while all this is happening, other countries and other regions of the world are doing the same thing. Mm. They're trying to communicate with these aliens. And they're doing it in different ways. Inside of 12 um, other and toenails. S- and they say that there's no like real pattern to where the toenails are. Hey, Kenan. I'm going to have to stop you right there. <laughs> I was just assisting with the plot of the film. No, 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 no. I think Pace is doing a great job, and you're ruining it with your toenail smut. <laughs> I mean, tuna. Ooh, is that the stuff underneath no, toenails? Stop, stop it. Stop it. This is awful. Stop it. I'm going to quit the show. We can't do this. Liar. You can't quit us. You're right. Um, what would I do on Wednesday nights? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Anything Go else. on dates or something with your wife. So while all of this is happening, it's important to know that every other country is also attempting to communicate um, with these aliens. Mm-hmm. And some are, are having different results. Um, and and there are certain there are certain regions of the world uh, like China, Russia, Sudan, um, who are threatening the aliens and, and essentially uh, ordering them to to leave or there will be aggressive action. Yeah. And this is like um, also kind of attributed to like in the movie they attributed to the way that the uh these other cultures are trying to interact with the aliens so like yes they they make this point in the movie about how like the chinese are using mahjong to like try and understand them but then which is a game right right? yeah and then amy adams is like oh but in games there's only one winner and then it's like the unless you're playing co-op yeah they should have played a co-op game like uh they should have played a co-op game uh call of duty could you fucking like, imagine uh, this movie? Where like, like pandemic, pandemic would have been fun. They played Cooking Mama together. Yes. Could you imagine if they were literally like, okay, Amy Adams is like getting a whiteboard and teaching them, um, you know, English by some like writing some mm-hmm. words out and demonstrating their actions, and uh, the Chinese are uh, they they set up their fucking land party. And they're playing Call so of Duty with, with the aliens. <laughs> they, have, they have to pause their no-scoping six-year-olds on fucking line. <laughs> you, just, you just hear like, and then like, they're like, yeah, nice. That, they have, that, that word they was They have noob. seven limbs. They should be very good at these games. Oh, weird. Right? This new so. symbol says, go get your dad. I'll fuck him up. What if he won me, bro? <laughs> good. Anyway, this this essentially leads to a, a situation where the entire world is kind of on edge um, and and are unsure what's going to happen if they're if we're going to sort of initiate violence against these aliens in their shells. And essentially, while this is happening, while things are getting very tense, Louise, our main character, is having some realizations about the aliens and their language. She is she is learning that the way in which they communicate uh, and the sort of circular nature of their of their symbols seems to evoke the idea that the way they view time is different from the way that we 
as humanity view time. Mm. We view it in a more linear fashion, and uh, the aliens supposedly view it in a more circular fashion. And then they say, oh, the aliens are like, we are here to give you our gift, which the world misinterprets what they're saying as like to take a weapon, but it's really just a sort of uh, misnomer with, with how... Uh, weapon could be interpreted yeah yeah and i think like other cultures interpret it as like use weapon so there's this rhetoric about how like the aliens want to turn all of us against each other when when in reality they're just trying to get us to they 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 perceive that they're going to they can see the future these aliens simply put can see the future uh because of the way they perceive time and are trying to give us the gift of of being able to perceive time in the same way um and amy adams is the vessel for this and uh this leads to her having a lot of realizations about her past and her, her quote unquote past, which was actually now her future involving her daughter and her sickness and her illness. Um, and who she actually ends up married to, which is, 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 is Hawkboy McGee. And they have this, this child. And, um, and that's, I mean, that's essentially what happens in the movie, right? Yeah. You, you kind of petered out at the end there, but yeah, yeah I did. <laughs> I absolutely really did. did. What else a- notable happens at the end? I mean, she just, she just realizes that this shit's Yeah, crazy, Amy Adams right? realizes so. after interacting with the aliens directly, because all hell is breaking loose in camp, like that the language allows you to basically experience time as nonlinear experience time, like as everything at once or within a circular manner. Um, while all hell's breaking loose, she goes up to the, uh, she goes up to the spaceship and after previous interactions with the aliens in which rogue soldiers had tried to blow them up, one of the aliens saved Amy. Amy finds out that that alien died and the remaining alien yeah. is like, hey, Abbott. you already have the gift that we were going to give you, which is our language. And, our, and the language is what allows her to see time as, lo- as nonlinear. Right. And she right. thinks that she's been dreaming, but it turns out that she's actually just been experiencing like the future and the present. Yeah. Like at simultaneously, right. you know, future and the yes. past and the present. So, yes. And she, util- yeah. she utilizes this newfound power in order to interact with, uh, the general of the, uh, uh, the people's army in China. And he shows her his personal phone number and then tells her his wife's dying words. And then Amy uses that information in the past to call him, say those words and basically end the standoff between all of the various, uh, governments nations yeah nations nations and the shells and then she's like i should Mm -hmm. still marry jeremy and not tell him that i can see the future and then our kid will die and i'll tell him after the fact and we'll break up yeah (laughs) yes i guess that is what's implied right yeah Uh i mean that's what she's basically saying like yeah like i got to see what's going to happen in our future but like i still don't want to want to change she still wants to experience everything there's like for and and take a really large conversation we could have about like the morality of not telling Jeremy that this was going to happen to their kid prior, but also like the movie kind of implies that maybe it's predestined and there's not anything that she can do about it because she's going to do it. But then also seems to imply that she's like embracing that future. I'm doing air quotes. So yeah, it it gets kind of tricky because like the whole scene with the phone call to the general sort of, it looks almost like she's changing the present by getting information in the future because like in that conversation Mm -hmm. she's first like the general's like oh when you called me at my personal phone number she's like i don't know your personal phone number and then he shows her the phone and she realizes like yes i know it because i got dialed it in the past so it kind of demonstrates the 
she can change things in time, but then it also seems like she can't with other things, like her daughter dying. It's like she just can't do anything about yeah. that or getting divorced or anything. So it also like is uh, to your point is a little bit screwy too, because like in the future when she's talking to the general, the general's like, "Hey, you need to see my phone number." And also, I need to tell you exactly what my uh, my wife's dying words were. And in the future, Amy's like, why? But in the past, past Amy's like, oh, yeah, thank you. I very much need this information. But then future Amy doesn't remember that interaction. So, well, well yeah, they, they kind of show her like remembering it yeah, as, as it's, it's happening, happening yeah. which doesn't make sense. But the point of all of that is is for us to realize that there is no past, present, and future, right? Yeah. It's it's all. And then you're supposed to be able to like, like you could be reactive through all the layers of past, present, and future, right? Exactly. Yeah, you're right. You're definitely right. Yeah. And that's how you perceive time now, thanks to your understanding of this language. So, so this alien language. What science do we want to talk about? I don't know. What science are we going to talk about, Canon? That's a great question, Sean. I came up with an idea, and that idea uh-huh. is that we talk about the writing in the movie for a hot second because. There is an interesting concept that was introduced during the film uh, that the aliens' written language and their uh, vocal language seem to be completely different and unrelated. And they kind of like dismiss the vocal language early on as it doesn't seem to coincide with the things that they're writing. But uh, one thing that they mention in the movie is that it seems like these circular patterns that they're seeing in here are what are known as uh, logograms or logograms. Uh, and these are written characters that represent a word or a phrase. And the important thing about logograms is that they are not reflective of spoken word. So a good example of this are like Egyptian hieroglyph- hieroglyphics or kanji uh, are both systems of written language that don't reflect a verbal language that follow along with them. And I thought that was interesting. Kenan, uh, kan- kanji is... Um, are- are the the symbols used in a lot of in many different Eastern Asian languages? Yeah, I mean right? the the Chinese use Hanzi. I think that uh, there's Chinese dialects that also use a kanji, and then Japanese uses kanji. Korean uses Hanja, right. um, and those are examples of those actual like written systems of language that do not follow any sort of vocal yes. language. In yes. fact, I think it. Okay. There's a Chinese dialect uh, and Japanese kanji that actually share kanji symbols. Uh, even though their spoken language is completely different. So a uh, Chinese speaker who speaks this dialect specifically and then a Japanese uh, uh, native speaker would not be able to understand each other but could in that specific written kanji. Because the because what the symbol represents is completely independent of, of what, what they're actually of, saying. Of how you would speak it. Oh, yes. Yeah, of the right. sounds that you're and making. I think that's right. right. Yeah. I'm sure I'll get corrected if it's not. <laughs> no, they would have to. People would have to email us for that. To people would have Canon. to feel comfortable correcting us on digital media in order for that to happen. <laughs> wow, I don't. I wouldn't want to live in that world. <laughs> nor I. Nor I. What else, boys? Yeah, uh, pace. I feel like you. You had a topic. Yeah, I feel like you had something. You yeah. Well, I. I just one thing that one thing that bothered me. Not. I mean, not bo- bothers a strong word. Wow. I understand this is how movies work. Heavy-handed and how, language you're using here how play oh i know just really really controversial That's i think what a pace's brand can yeah just a, you gotta let him he's fly the bad boy i man if only that were true i i would like to have seen they they i'm pretty cute the moment in the film in which they have the montage of decoding the aliens language oh, yeah. this this was um 
I, I think this was oversimplified from my perspective. So they, they are presented with these first initial few circular visual figures um, that they are attempting to interpret. And then this leads to what we assume are, you know, upwards of, of hundreds, even, you know, a thousand plus uh, variants of this, right? And then they're basically spending all this time, hours, days, months, we're not even sure how long, how much time passes by as they're interpreting all of these circular figures. Right. And essentially what it looks like they're able to do is take the portions on these circular figures, isolate them, and, and, and then make assumptions about the ideas or, or words that they might represent in yeah. the English language. Um, and they have a word bank at the end. I would have been shocked if if she would have been able to make this level of progress and this degree of progress as quickly as at least that they make it seem like. Yeah. Um, Sean, you should talk about th something. Yeah, so I'm gonna fucking mess up this name again. I can't but, wait. Uh, Amy Adams brings up this concept called the, I believe it's the Sapir Wharf hypothesis this, or that's theory. Secure Rose hypothesis? I think it's the Sapphire Ward, <laughs> something like that. Sapphire Ward sounds the right. The Sapphic Waffle <laughs> hypothesis? Sapphic Waffle? Okay. You mean Sapphic Pancake? Or perhaps a nice Sapphic Okay, sapphic now crepe. I don't remember what it is. Is it the <laughs> Sapphire <laughs> Wharf? Is that what it Saphir, is? Sapphire? The Sapphire Sapphire Wharf hypothesis. And basically what uh, in the movie Amy states this as is it's the theory that if you immerse yourself in a language mm -hmm. that you are able to, um, I guess, your thoughts are a consequence of the language that you are learning. So you are able to think in a new way uh, that you wouldn't have before by learning this language or being like completely immersed in it. Mm -hmm. So that sort of just gets to the concept that your thoughts are a consequence of your language, right? So like when you're thinking about um, things, you're not necessarily always thinking in words, but you're thinking in ideas. And these ideas are based on a construct of like your social interactions and your ability to communicate with the outside world, right. which for most people is done through, it's done through some sort of language, whether it be visual or audible or written, it's done in some way right. like that. A form of and so that the idea is that like, without that input of language, you don't, you wouldn't be able to think the same way. Yeah. I, I mean, it harps on this idea of something called uh, linguistic relativity um, that does exactly what you're saying that like the structure or the way that a person communicates basically affects their cognition. And there are two, two schools of thought on that argument that like one of them is that it is, it shapes your worldview. So it influences your thoughts and decisions. And then the like stronger version of that argument is that like it physically alters the way that you perceive the universe. And that's what they're, the, the latter right. half is what they're trying to harp on here. Trying to get to in this movie yeah. too, yeah. Well, and like, the latter half is they take it and they run sure with do. it. In they this do, movie. yeah. I think I think obviously the leap in the movie is is a little more than is realistic based on this theory, yes. obviously. But like, I think it's it's the concept of the theory is definitely like a factual thing. Like like if someone if you imagine someone who's you know born blind, right, like their thoughts are not going to involve visual input because they've never received right. any like their whole life. Right. So, or same for someone who is born deaf, 
like they're probably thinking in some form of sign language or some sort of visual cues because they're they've never had audio cues so like and that is a different type of language that we would not think in because we that's our language is a combination of everything it's the visual and the audio it's a change in that type of communication yeah Um, i want to do something that we've never done on the podcast before just real quick this this should not take long please um sean can you tell me if you could have one wish right now what would be real quick uh to oh uh one wish um to eat dinner okay uh pace you're gonna use your one wish on dinner sean Um, i just i panicked uh i we talked about this in the show before i want to be able to teleport oh that's very true that's if my I wish. Had, fuck yeah. wait can i change no, my you can't you're getting dinner uh <laughs> God damn if it. i could have one wish i wish we would find somebody who knew more about this hmm. oh well wouldn't that be wouldn't useful, it be good if we huh? could just like interview a person real quick yeah that sounds good let's okay. just do that yeah let's, let's just do that yeah so in the studio we have with us uh kelly mccardle graduate student at unc in classical philology Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you want to introduce yourself to the to listening audience? Like more than that? Yeah. 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 Tell, <laughs> tell us about Say some you. words about who you are as a person. Yes, Hi, Kelly. Please. Welcome no. to the studio. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> um, no. All right. Well, can you answer a question for me then? Yeah. What is classical philology and why the fuck would anybody want to study it? Um, that's a good question. I don't think anybody should want to study it. I don't recommend <laughs> it. <laughs> there are no jobs. Um, so don't go into it. Um, philology is the study of culture through language, mm-hmm. I would say. So I guess this is important in terms of this movie because um, the character that Amy Adams plays is a linguist and not a philologist. I was going to so say, like, that seems highly relevant. Highly yeah. relevant. Yeah, so they're pretty different. So I would say, like, linguistics is more concerned with universal rules and syntax. Um, So syntax is like, so you've heard probably syntax and diction in, like, an English class. Mm -hmm. Diction talks about or refers to word choice, like, at the individual level. And syntax is how you put words together to form a sort of sequence that is meaningful. Okay. So linguistics are more concerned about how words sound, why they sound certain ways, um, what they look like. So like morphology and grammar sort of more generally, whereas philology is more concerned with meaning and cultural meaning and is sometimes more focused in a specific area. So classical philology means that I focus on ancient Greek and Latin. So sort of languages of the ancient Mediterranean that also stem from a similar um, like Proto-Indo-European base. Gotcha. Cool. So what you're saying is you don't speak every language. No. Um, <laughs> unlike, <laughs> we can talk Amy about Adams. that later <laughs> in the movie. That was one of the things that I thought was like really weird. Well, and you said there's not, not a lot of jobs available in this field. Maybe Amy yeah. Adams was able to lock down her job because she can speak every known language in the world. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a failing on your part, actually. Wow. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She- okay. <laughs> She has highly I can read a lot of skills. languages. That's true. Mm-hmm. I can read a lot of languages. It is like a superpower in that way. Well, that's kind of how they portray it in the movie too. Is yeah, it? Like- they play it up like more than they should, but it is pretty cool. We were talking about this earlier, but like after studying Greek and Latin for so long, one day I just opened a book of Italian and I was like, oh yeah, I can read this, having never seen any Italian before. <laughs> that's, that's pretty amazing. That, <laughs> that is, is a superpower. superpower. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. but I think like in the movie with... She's. Uh, they start with a thing where she um, translates Farsi for them, 
Yeah. And then later they're just like, oh yeah, this guy is speaking Chinese. Can you translate this? <laughs> She's like, of course. It's so similar to Farsi. <laughs> and I would also say that like my ability to read Italian doesn't mean that I can speak or understand Italian. Right? right. It means like when I look at it on a page, I can understand what it says, but it doesn't mean that if someone is speaking Italian in front of me, I'm going to have any fucking idea what's going on. That makes sense. On. Right, of course. Yeah. And like not being able to see the spellings and just like hearing someone speak it. I mean, it's definitely it's not going to be the same as looking at it written down. Yeah. Well, in in my opinion, I would say based on how you've explained what philology is, it seems relevant for this movie, especially in regards to they they seem to make at least not direct claims, but at least inferences that the impact of the two languages, the human language, at least English in this case, and the alien language are related in some way to their culture, or at least the way they perceive the world around them, which I think we can get into today. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think that it's really hard in some ways to distinguish between linguistics and philology. Like, they definitely have their overlaps. Um, So it's hard to to really break it down in just a few sentences. Right. Well, that I mean, that that's why you're here, because if people ask us, we just say like, yeah, yeah, it seems fine. Seems good to us. It's like, well, they both involve words. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, they're, just, they're <laughs> the same. Well, Kelly, do you think we can ask you some uh, questions that we thought the listeners might want to know the answers to, but we don't know how to give them the answers? Yeah, yeah. I can do my best for sure. Well, I think what Sean's trying to say is that we're experts on everything, right. but there's just so much in our brains that yeah. sometimes it's hard to pull the necessary sometimes information. Sometimes you need a real science girl. Right, That's exactly. Correct. Yeah, sometimes nice. you need a real someone science other than... girl. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> for us, it's more of a, it's more of an access issue. Like we ha- we know everything, we just yeah. have trouble yeah. accessing it. So, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so keep. Keep in mind when you're answering that I know all the answers. You could say that, like, you know, your your culture and your language are codependent. You know, yeah. like you're not you're not really accessing your ability to understand the world in a specific right. way. Right. Well, I think when I said my mind palace is a clutter, that that's out. what I meant. Is... <laughs> mind palace is another thing we could talk about at a different time. This is like very <laughs> relevant to Latin. Cicero is like big on the mind palace oh, for no. memory. <laughs> I'm, I smell a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cut it out. <laughs> yeah, we can, we can go into the mind palaces later. Okay. I'm yeah, going to fire this question at you. Okay, do it. Do okay. it. So, a uh, friend of the show, Michael Pace, asks, <laughs> did, <laughs> did the circular format or structure of the written alien language make any sense in regards to what we know about historical human languages? Yeah, this is a really interesting question. I was thinking a little bit about this. I don't personally know about any human languages that look like this. Um, but I was looking back at the different logograms that they use in the movie, mm-hmm. and it does seem like they become more complex and have more um, pieces and more sort of lines on them based on the complexity of the things that the aliens are trying to communicate. Mm. And that, to me, makes a lot of sense. Um, so I study Latin and ancient Greek mainly. So if you think about like a Latin verb, it conveys a lot more information than a verb that we have in English. So when I'm in, when I'm teaching Latin and I ask my students about the verb, I'm asking them to identify five different aspects, five different pieces of information that the verb conveys. So the person, whether it's first, second, or third person, the number, is it singular or plural, the tense, right, past, present, future, all different kinds of things like that, the mood, is it imperative? Is it indicative? So like indicative is just like a statement. Um, imperative is a command. Sometimes you have like a subjunctive that's more in the realm of like wishing things that aren't actually happening. Mm. And then the voice, is it active or passive? And all of those things are contained within this one word. Um, so t- sometimes the words get longer 
based on the complexity of what you're trying to express. Does wow. that make sense? Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, that was... <laughs> no, that's the first time I've been interested in Latin ever. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. It's a dead that's maybe the, the first time I've heard the word subjunctive in like two mm-hmm. decades. <laughs> Conjunctive? When it's not ending in itis? Because I've yeah. heard that before. <laughs> That's when you have if a word infection in your eye. Well, and then sometimes there are like, so ancient Greek is really interesting because it has even more moods. So it has another mood that doesn't exist in something like Latin, the optative mood, which is just another mood for things that are unreal. Um, and it has more tenses. So it has a really specific tense of the past that deals with things that have like only happened once in a very simple way and have no bearing on the present. Weird. So it's this is cool. like, instead of using like, a combination of words to describe this this is just all built into a specific conjugation of a word is that yeah exactly okay. so like seeing the circles become more complex sort of as the thoughts are becoming right more complex. that makes right. sense that's okay makes sense so this is so there hmm. is a foundation for something that is similar to this in some sort of historical human language yeah i think so sure I think that was sensible okay i think <laughs> it's just drawing parallels where we can is what i was yeah is what we're trying to accomplish because so did you guys talk you talked about the question mark thing yeah already we, oh, yeah. we did briefly yeah that was fucking insane i just want to say that yeah, the little From, like, oh, just put a little, uh, put a little squiggly on there, and now it's a question. It's just a like, little swirl. Well, yep. question marks have curls. So, like, I mean, it just doesn't. There is no logic behind it at all. Not only because where is she getting that from, but also like there are languages that don't have punctuation. So, like Latin in its like ancient inscriptions has no punctuation, and instead, what you get is an enclitic. Which just means it's like a series of letters that you tack on to the end of the word at the beginning of the sentence that indicates that what's coming is going to be a question. Mm, but it's huh. not like a mark right. anywhere. Oh, so like, it's just huh. extra letters. So that was very much like taken from like an English style question, like English language yeah. question mark. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what you're saying is that Christopher Walken is a Latin scholar. What? Because he doesn't use any punctuation ever. <laughs> oh, I was—I thought you were going to say Christopher Maybe. Walken just adds on random sounds to the end of his ends of his words. <laughs> I thought you were just teeing up pace to do his brilliant Christopher Walken impression. That's that's not not going to happen. Can no. you do it? Hey, so you no, have a question I, coming up. You no, I cannot. Like I'm going to ask Kelly a question instead. If okay. that sounds good to you, we can maybe okay. do okay, the. Okay, but ask Christopher Walken. We could yeah, take the Christopher Walken bit off offline. We'll we'll cover that. Okay, offline. well then do it as Michael Caine at least. <laughs> I can't do, do that either. Listen, Sean, this is a serious podcast. Just say for a second. I thought he was doing the voice because I don't know what Michael Caine sounds like. <laughs> oh, just ask Kenan. He'll just say the word tangerine to you in an Australian accent. Spoiler alert: Michael Caine's not Australian. Why do we follow Master Bruce? Um, okay, I think we're ready. So, Kelly, I, so this is also another one of my questions because I just mm-hmm. have lots of apparent uh, curiosities about this topic. So, hum- yeah. human languages, at least the way that I understand them, mm-hmm. seem to have evolved in a sort of linear fashion, kind of in the same way mm-hmm. that we view time. And by that, I mean, even if you had a long and complicated sentence, sometimes you would even interpret what you're talking about in the beginning of the sentence to be happening earlier on in time versus something at mm-hmm. the end. And even larger in this concept of like a, a book, a, a paragraph, and then, you know, mm-hmm. beyond that. So, but what I am curious about is based upon what you know about human languages and their structure, wh- what do you think led to this sort of, this, this is all sort of hypothetical, mm-hmm. what do you think would lead to the sort of circular development of the structure of the alien language that made it so uh, different from every human language that we know of? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a really interesting question i think in the movie the way 
like the circle seems really symbolic of the ways that Amy Adams' character ends up being able to interpret time. And I think that's yeah. what yes. they're going for, for in sure. making the language look like that. But I think when, if I, as a philologist or someone that studies language, were looking at that language and trying to think about why it looks like that, sort of questions that I would ask instead of how they view time would be like, what is the material that's like coming out? Like it looks like smoke, but what is it mm-hmm. made of? You know, like does it. Um, does it take other forms and do they only use it for writing or do they use it Hmm. for other things? Does it ever not look like a circle? And if so, in what cases? And then also, I think like, can they see? Like, what do we, I guess they can see, but we don't know how they see. We don't know what things look like to them. We don't know how they read or if they read. You know know what I mean? Hmm. Like, there's so many questions that have to do with like the visuals. I yeah. think those are the questions that I would ask instead. It, it yeah, would have been so great if they had a biologist on their team of scientists. I was scientists. just thinking that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they would look at them and be like, yep, yeah, no eyes, can't see. <laughs> what, right. what if their thoughts, that's just how it works. They they have a thought or they have something they, they wish to communicate and then they have some sort of internal mechanism by which it just coalesces in front of them. It just happens to be circular. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. Like, it's so, there's yeah. so many other th- questions I think we would have to answer before we can determine... Yeah, like, in sure. reality, why it's a circle. Like, I think they make it a circle because it makes sense in yeah, the context right. of the movie. Yes, but. this is major speculation territory. Your question about, like, whether or not they use the substance <laughs> that they're using in order to show Amy Adams and uh, Jeffrey Bowman their written language is interesting, too, because and we talked about this offline, but the fact that, like, the aliens aren't gesturing, mm-hmm. like, they're they're not gesticulating when they're speaking, and they're not, they don't have facial expressions that we can, we can right. register. So, like... Typically, when you're face to face with a human and they're asking a question, you can see like an inquisitive look on their right. face, or they're like emphasizing their mm. words with their movements. And we're not seeing any of that from the aliens. So I'm right. wondering if, like, in their culture, you know, the way that they're using the written speech that they're showing Amy Adams substitutes for that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's like an emphasis for, or like it's combined with their auditory speech. Yeah. Yeah, my brain's kind of going down a rabbit hole now because now I'm also wondering whether this is something that they use to communicate with one another in the absence of people that don't understand Uh, their sort of vocal cues or if they only use it to communicate with sort of beings outside of their species. Yeah. Yeah. Because that'd be interesting to think about too, right? Yeah, right. Because like from the... Our perspective, it's like, whoa, it's the first time that humans have seen aliens, but if these like time... like not bound by time aliens i'm sure they've seen other sorts of species in the universe like they might have developed yeah. a mechanism to to communicate with them mm-hmm. right and you're we're, we're heading down a rabbit hole here as you That's said what we too, do. because like in the in the like uh canon of the movie these aliens can see forward in time right so another good question is why the fuck do they already know english well, well, and also, like, <laughs> what's to say that their language would be presented as, like, a complete thought in one yeah. point of time? Because they can yeah. see stuff through different points of time. So, like, right. if their communication basis is like that for someone of their own species, wouldn't someone from their other species be able to, or from the same species, be able to also see forward in time? Yeah. Like, you know how, like, how Amy Adams gets information from the future and uses it in mm. the past? Like, you'd think they could do that with their language, too. Right. Which I guess is kind of what they're getting at, but it's also like 
then why then that that wouldn't work for humans like we wouldn't be able right. to understand that so yeah yeah and that's also like a time paradox things that stories have problems with anyway because like you can make the statement that like you would never have to talk because you would just know but if you don't ever talk then there's nothing to source <laughs> from in the future like they would have to go through the motions of learning this language and have already made strides in learning it for the aliens to be able to look forward and see those strides mm-hmm. and learn from that information. So I, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> go ahead, base. Oh no, I was just going to say, I think if the aliens knew English, we wouldn't have had a movie to watch. So. Well, yeah, hey, yeah. yeah. this is like yeah. the breakdown point. I mean, you Sorry. could say, you could posit though, that the aliens, like there's no way for them to communicate in English and there's no way, um, like maybe they can't shape that smoke or whatever it is to look like whatever they want it to. And yeah. so in their ability to travel through time and see humans and see what humans are doing, they've shaped it in this way based on what they think humans will be most able to, to figure out or to solve. That makes sense. Yeah, that's a good point. It might not be like this is just their language that they use all the time. This might be like a specific thing they made right. for doing that. All right, so Kelly, uh, I'm going to hit you with our last question here. It was asked by a friend of the show, Michael Pace, um, and I think he brings up a pretty good point. He asks, uh, what are the focal commonalities between all human languages, and do you think that those commonalities would be consistent across an alien language as well if we ever encountered aliens? Yeah, this is a really interesting question, and I think it's pretty hotly debated in the field of linguistics and has been sort of for a long time. So I think Noam Chomsky is actually really famous for his part in this debate because he posits that there is uh, such a thing as universal grammar. So Hmm. what he claims is that um, humans have a biological predisposition to understanding and producing language in certain ways regardless of external stimuli and regardless of any sort of differences in vocabulary and some of the grammar in their native languages. And I guess some examples of that would be that he says most language or all languages will distinguish between nouns and verbs. This is something that all people will be able to naturally do. Another theory that he has is called linguistic recursion. This is one of the ones that's been challenged, but linguistic recursion basically posits that it basically talks about how we stack units of meaning together. So something like a relative clause, right? You have like a basic unit of thought and then you stick something in between. So I'm doing a podcast with the boys whom I know from this place. And, right, there are just like all these endless units Uh, that you can stack and stack and stack on top of each other. So basically what he's saying is like any human being has the ability to do this in such a way that they can create a sentence having learned very basic units of thought um, that has never been uttered before. Even if they've never heard someone do it, yeah. they can just start to do it on their right. own. Right. Um, that's been challenged by some other people. So really famously, this guy, Daniel Everett, goes to study a language in the Amazon that really no one has ever been able to understand before. Okay. And he says that actually they don't have linguistic recursion in their language. So they have really separate, um, very simple units of thought that don't stack inside of each other in that same way. Wow. You know, I'm going to be honest, Kelly. I did not think these questions would have this much mileage. I like did not realize. <laughs> not that they oh, were bad thanks, questions. Sean. 
No, it pays it's not that they're bad questions. It's just uh, my mind didn't even begin to comprehend the level of study <laughs> that people have put into human mm-hmm. languages because I just it's like I don't think about it on the day to day. You got at the brain all, of so. a scientist, Sean. It's okay. Well, it's it's hard for you to access an information. Yeah, sorry, I know saying. it. I just yeah. don't access it on the day to day basis, of course, Thank because you. I'm so full of fucking biology up to my goddamn eyeballs that I can't. Well, think the of language you else. know shapes the way your brain works, right? It's just right. rewired you to not be able to think. Exactly. Ooh, exactly. I just viruses. can't think about things that don't have to do with viruses. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, though. So I wonder. So I guess if there was, it sounds like if there was some sort of universal aspect of all language that people are theorizing about, it still does seem that it would be, to me, pretty specific to humans. But That's I guess, the whole theory. Yeah, like or if aliens were human-like, like they interacted in a society and stuff, then maybe they would also be able to pick up those basic things. But I feel like if you had aliens that were like a hive mind alien or something, they right. wouldn't understand some of the... The things that we, like the concepts that we talk about as like individuals. Yeah. Well, also like thinking about how human language, like so language, language very specific to human speech. And what am I trying to say? Like evolving alongside how humans have evolved. Like our physiological uh, makeup, like the actual speech center Mm. of the brain this is like another aspect of Noam Chomsky's argument, mm. right? That like uh, the way that we use language and understand language has evolved alongside people. Mm-hmm. And so you can assume that these aliens have had a completely separate line of evolution. Yeah. And so like their methods of communication and therefore understanding languages, even if they don't know them, could be different. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Exactly. Um, apparently these yeah. aliens aren't biological yeah. in origin for some reason, but you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. I would agree. It does come down to how the alien species evolved and what their and what their needs were in regards to communication, right. um, yeah. and and how they and how they met those needs over time as to how similar language would actually be. But cool. Um, very cool. Well, well, thank you, Kelly. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, do you guys know what time it is? Uh, hold on one sec. Let me check. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, motherfucker. It's time to rate it. Kelly, are you ready for your first real science cast rating? Yeah, I'm trying to decide if I'm going to rate out of five or out of ten. You're rating. Oh, out of five. Kelly, Kelly, you can do whatever you want. Want to join me, if Kelly. You want to eat any Ra- of the food rate out of seven. Pe- what pe- if I just draw a circle with some weird lines on it and see if you can figure out what my oh, rating that's a, is? That's actually that's a great idea. I love it. That's basically what Kenan does every time. You can post it on so. Instagram for the viewers. I've know? only done that once. I rated one of the movies using ch- flavors of chips. I remember that. Kenan, you gave one like a shark out of a like llama or something, and there you didn't that. explain your scale at all. There was one where you were talking about like Blink One Eighty Two. I, I used nineties punk bands right? and early two thousands okay. punk bands That's as a rating right. system one time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did that. Yeah, we've done yeah. some interesting ratings. Kelly, we'll leave it up to you <laughs> since you're the guest. You get to pick how you're going to rate yeah. this. You can make your own decision, but just keep in mind the impact that decision has. <laughs> and the precedent that you're setting for future guests. Just keep yes. it like think of posterity when you're making this decision. You know. Um. All right. So, what do you usually do first? The science. science? First. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So for science, I think I would give it like a four out of five. Whoa! I like That's pretty it. Good. A f- nice. Three and a half, four. I mean, I think the way that they talk about linguistics and some of the stuff that they use. Like the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis is sort of interesting to have in there, and they 
they take a pretty hard line with it in a way that probably not everyone would agree with, but it's not totally wrong. I think, like I said before, the fact that she seems to know and understand and be able to speak so many languages that are seemingly unrelated is a little bit unrealistic, but yeah. I think generally speaking, it's pretty good. So I would, yeah, four out of five. Oh, yeah. Cool. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Entertainment. Entertainment. Yeah. I didn't really like it that much. Oh, I actually really <laughs> I liked it. But. I was like... So, I, well, so to be fair, uh, people have been telling me to watch this movie basically since it came out because they were like, you would fucking love it. It's all oh. about language. Like, yeah. all this stuff. So it was. I had it really built up in my mind. And it was really interesting. Like, I, how often do I get to watch movies where they're actually talking about linguistics mm-hmm. um, and, like, philology and things that I know? Like, pretty infrequently, I would say. Um, especially if you think about how right it was in terms of some of the things it was talking about. But I really hated the framing of, like, it being about her uh, relationship with that guy and her, yeah. like, being a mother. Like, it seemed like a really sort of limited <laughs> life for her as a woman, especially mm. because she's the only woman in the entire movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah and good there's points. only. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this movie, like, doesn't pass the Bechdel test, and it was made in 2016. Yeah. The what test? <laughs> the Bechdel test. So this What's is the, like. What is this? Can you explain uh, this? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I think we've talked about this for yeah, a while. Yeah. I mean, it's. it's uh, it Kenan, basically I've measures never heard of this before. how feminist this a movie basically is based mm. on whether or not there is more than one woman character and whether the women speak to each other about anything other than their relationship to a man. <laughs> oh, God. So not only does she not speak to like almost any other women in the whole movie, but then her whole thing is based on her relationship with this guy. We don't oh. find that out to the end, but... You know, now that I think about it, this movie only has like four characters. Yeah. There's like yeah. a dude, and well, plus the aliens, because there's Forrest Whitaker, there's 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 Hawkboy, and then there's yeah. Amy Adams. Mm-hmm. Who else is in this movie that really that really matters? So <laughs> so I think I think the other problem is that there's uh, a shitload of background characters, and they're, and they're all almost white all males. white. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And they're almost all men. Yeah. Except yeah. for the one Chinese guy, and he's the bad guy yeah. because right. China. You we know we know about China. Right. Oh, also, yeah. I hated that um, Amy Adams is a linguist academic, and she's a shill for the fucking government. <laughs> <laughs> like, five minutes into the movie, you find out that she helped the government assassinate, like, insurgents, quote-unquote, in yeah. another country by translating Farsi for them. And I was like, fuck this lady. This blows. <laughs> what a sellout. <laughs> what you a know, tool. Such that's a, a tool. Really, these are all really good points. I realize when I watch a movie, I just, like, look past it. I'm, I'm just always like, oh, but there's cool aliens. And then when someone says it out loud i'm like yeah fuck you're right shit (laughs) (laughs) good thing i rated it after (laughs) it's not until it's super blatant like bubble boy that we're like oh fuck yeah like (laughs) bubble boy like even me who's a completely oblivious to just like you know social Social ignorance in the movie (laughs) can understand (laughs) that there are problems with bubble boy but there are lots of problems bubble boy yeah, yeah that's a really good point there were literally no other female characters yeah so I guess, except the daughter, but she dies. Yeah, of yeah. cancer. And she's like eight. Yeah. Uh, so I guess for entertainment, in. I would give it like I don't know a two and a half. I don't want to give it a two, but I don't really want to give it a three either. See, two and, and a half. Like this I was, is where I was the like ten pretty point scale is really good. You know, like the ten point scale will save the day. Yeah, on ratings that's like true. This. No, five the out of five ten point feels scale better. F- forces yes. you to adhere to a more positive or negative rating which is yeah. the benefit of the five point scale 
The I five think, point scale can include fractions, and I think that's what Sean is afraid of. I think that <laughs> all of the things that I liked about it were the things that I talked about in the science rating. Yeah, yeah. But that then makes sense. the the way that all of the science is framed, I kind of hate. But also, it's really beautiful. That's what I kept saying when we were watching it. When like all of the shots seem really artistic, especially yeah. when the sh- the spaceship comes down. I like that they make it look so colossal, like they're never giving you the full shot. Yeah. And then when they go inside, I think all those shots are really cool. And like the bird with the like smoke screen in the background, like all that stuff ruled. Yeah, you know, the cinematography in this is phenomenal. It's really good. Yeah. Mm. Yes, it was a breathtaking <laughs> film to be sure. <laughs> Sean, do you feel differently or? <laughs> no, no, no. I honestly, I completely agree. I, I'm, I'm sorry. That was not like a disgruntled. I'm just thinking about how <laughs> I perceive things differently. And I, it's interesting <laughs> to hear someone else's perspective on the movie. That's fair. Yeah, it was a good thing. Yeah, not a bad always thing. a good thing. I feel like sometimes it's an echo chamber where we're rating the movie because we watch yeah. it for the science, you know? So, like, yeah. we watch right. these movies and we all have, like, pr- we're pretty fucking similar. We've known each other for a long time, so it's nice to get a fresh perspective. But speaking of which, we, we have to rate this movie now, so... We do. Well, first I want to thank Kelly. Thank you so much yes, for... Yes, thank you, Kelly. Yeah, thanks yeah. for yeah, having Kelly, me. Yeah, Kelly, you're the best. This was fun. This is extremely good. Cool. Thanks. Okay, now get the fuck out of the studio. <laughs> yeah, Kelly, get out. We have to finish the All show. Right. <laughs> yep. All right, she's gone. Uh, Kenan, why don't you want yeah, to do that? Yeah, I'm going to do that right now. Do we do entertainment or science first? I don't remember. We always we do always science th- first. Yeah, we always do science. Okay, I'm going to do the science first. The science of this movie was, uh, I have to do this out of five. Science of this movie was <sighs> two out of five. Yes. Uh, no, hold on. No, mm, the science in this movie is a three out of five. I'm going to give it a three out of five. Uh, okay. even though they set up two impossible scenarios and that's that one person knows everything about all languages, uh, and that two, uh, nuclear physicists is bearable to be around. Um, I <laughs> thought, the, Fucking got him. <laughs> thought the science in the film was actually like fairly well addressed, obviously up to the point where they just like run fucking buck wild with it. Um, but the folks who made this movie did their homework, which I thought was admirable. Um, hopefully the interview that we just did with uh, our expert agrees with what I just said, or I'm going to sound like a real dipshit. Um, and as far <laughs> as the entertainment goes, uh, I like this movie a lot. I'm going to give it a four out of five only because I didn't like the ending, like the very, very ending, um, like the very mm-hmm. ending, but, mm-hmm. uh, who wants to go next? Okay. I'll go next since I took a sharp breath there. <laughs> Uh, indicating that I'm ready to <laughs> indicating talk. Indicating that I am about to engage my speech muscles. <laughs> Vocal cords. Gonna engage my speech muscles and make sounds that can be interpreted into concepts uh, by the listeners. Indicating that I'm ready to engage in a linguistic inquiry. Why? <laughs> <laughs> right. It's me, uh, anybody. I, Do it, Sean. <laughs> I'm gonna give the science... A five out of ten, uh, because right. that's same thing. Kenan said, uh, "I think that like the the groundwork they lay for this whole scenario is like very well thought yeah. out." But obviously, I can't just give them like a ten out of ten because the end of it is. I think it's a little too. It's too far fetched. Right. Like you can't really time travel from learning a language. But I like where their heads at <laughs> with yeah, this yeah, theory. Yeah, yeah. Um, as far as the entertainment goes. I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10. I really like this nice. movie a lot. 
if I could change one thing, I would love to not have like a little girl die of cancer because it really bumped yeah. me out when I first started watching. Hey, it increases the emotional impact. This movie could yes, have just not included the little girl. Like this movie could have been about Amy Adams remembering Jeremy Renner dying and then deciding to marry him anyway. Which is like not sad at all, of course. That is still like, fucking sad. Like it <laughs> didn't kidding. mean ah! No, you're right. But, I'm but, changing like, my entertainment rating when you're done. It was very, it was still good. It just was, I was super sad and I don't like being sad. So, but I'm going to give it a 10 on 10 despite that. That's a weird mood for 2020. I love being sad. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, Pace, um, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I more, I more or less agree with, with, uh, with you guys. I, I think I'm going to give the science a three out of five. Uh, nice. and I, I, mostly because I think they, I think that they're, they, their base, uh, for the scientific uh, significance of the film was was a good one. I think that referencing the superior wharf hypothesis and at least getting the baseline idea for what it is somewhat accurately, and then just saying we're gonna make this fun for a movie is is fine. Uh, it's entertaining. I don't think anyone's gonna walk away from the movie and be like, I'm gonna go learn French so that I can you know see into the travel you know, through time, see the fourth tra- travel through time. <laughs> And uh, so, and so that's. I think it's. I think overall, the, the science was was the baseline was good. They just extrapolated upon it to make the movie entertaining. What so, about the entertainment? Um, for the entertainment, I'm gonna give it a four out of five. Hey, I liked it. It was a good go. movie. I, I especially liked it because it. You know, us being. I'm not sure. I can't speak for you guys, but me being a, a life scientist, um, I don't know a whole lot about the like basic sort of concepts of language and I, I took I it helped me understand that um, that in understanding different languages can can really affect your your uh, worldview and and the way that you perceive the world around you and and there are a lot of differences in the ways that uh, languages are a reflection of different cultures and I have a new appreciation for that so I, I enjoy the movie, movie for that reason as well so. I am gonna change my rating to a three out of five uh, I really like this film um, but I'm grumpy again about the fact that they made the sad parts of Amy Adams' life about her uterus, uh, and, and that there was <laughs> okay. one female character in the whole film and one black character in the whole film. <laughs> okay, thanks, Kenneth. <laughs> Maybe it was made in 2016. And with that, I think that's it. We can do some listener questions. I hope questions. the sequel's better. <laughs> yeah, there will um, definitely be one well, of those. It's it. called Arrived. I'm sorry, it's called We're Back. It's called oh, We're Back. That's right, We're <laughs> Back. It's called Three Thousand Years Later. <laughs> Hey, help nice. us finish that puzzle. <laughs> We're down to three pieces. That actually would be we good. I would appreciate that. So I got to do the quotes. Got to do oh, it. Oh, fuck. All right. So do the jingle. Hey, people <sighs> like the quotes, Kenan. Right, I need you to pick a musical genre for the jingle. Kenan, I'm not the one making the jingle. You pick the fucking genre. <laughs> got a, we got our fucking one yeah, curse word in there. Holy you bitch. The jingle section. For the upcoming quote section. Have you ever listened to a jingle? My dog died (laughs) in something about trucks. (laughs) This is like 70s country. You should be doing better at this. Rose has its quote. (laughs) Okay, I love that, actually. (laughs) Um, Okay, so hey, everybody. Welcome to Sean's Rotten Tomatoes quote segment. Uh, we We got a real... Real special episode for you today because Rotten Tomatoes has no approved quotes for this movie. So it's kind of surprising. The the real surprising thing is that the quotes submitted go through some sort of approval process because <laughs> the the past Yeah, that actually doesn't uh, make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, right. Like I feel like people just fucking write whatever they want. But I wrote down a quote from the movie that I thought was 
a pretty interesting quote, and I'm going to read it to you guys. So this is Amy Adams. Uh, she is explaining about um, the word kangaroo to Forrest Whitaker and telling him about some misinterpretations. And what she says is uh, to Hawkeye, after she tells him this fake story, she goes, well, that story's not true, but it proves my point. And yes. uh, <laughs> I just want everyone to know that not all scientists do this. Yeah, so. This is bad psychom. <laughs> yeah, they do. They just do, so do everyone's no, aware. They, they definitely do it. But it was a really yes, good line in the movie. It was a good line in the movie. Um, I looked up the a, tagline for the film to try and say something funny in lieu of there not being any really shitty Rotten Tomatoes quotes. Um, but the tagline okay. is just, why are they here? Which is like, it's not great. Not good. I mean, it's just the plot of the film. So. Yeah. I mean, oh yeah. yeah, the tagline just summarized the entire plot of the film. Weird. Okay, well, you don't <laughs> have to be like that. <laughs> the primary question they're trying to answer, but we, like we know that, Sean, we know that it needs to be insightful. It needs to evoke yeah. something. You know what it the doesn't. tagline should be? I think it should what? be like they should have brought a biologist. That's yeah. There should have been a goddamn <laughs> biologist <laughs> because that would have been good. <laughs> I love that they're crack team of scientists, and we got to talk about this real quick because it's a super fucking important thing. Their crack team of scientists is a linguist who knows every language in the world and an, and an astrophysicist uh, or something. A linguist like, who knows every language in the world who, one, works at a university and, two, lives in the fanciest fucking house I've ever seen in my life. Right? Right on a lake. That's true. Absolutely no way. But then they brought a physicist, it. which, like, not saying you wouldn't want a physicist, but wouldn't you also want relevant. a biologist? Yeah, you would want a whole yeah. team of scientists and probably more than one person for each field. There's literally yes. a voiceover in the movie where they say, like, the shell is made of something we don't know, and the septopods, we don't know what they're made of either. And you're like, okay. Could have got a biology. Could have huh? done a biopsy. I don't know what's wrong with you people. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, but you really want to get a biopsy of the fucking alien that they're going to let you do that? You could just, I mean, I they're mean, introducing a lot of concepts. It could have been, she speaks a whole I language. would ask him. Yeah. Yeah. Or just yeah. be like, hey, what are you made of? All right, we, we need Give to Give me move a toe. Um, to listen. Also, questions. the tagline should have been time they, to talk. Timeline should have been give me a toe. Um, Did you say give me a toe? <laughs> oh, God. I thought this was another fucking toenail thing. <laughs> no, just the aliens have those nice oh, little Oh, time digits. to talk. That would have been good, Thank face. you. God. Fuck. Oh, that would have been so good. All right, let's do some questions. Okay. All right. Uh, we have one on Twitter, if you guys want to go to that one. I want to hear one. that one. Um, I want to hear the Twitter question. We have multiple on Twitter, actually. Uh, this first one comes from Jeremy Montoya, at Jeremy H. Montoya on Twitter. Uh, who we missed your question last time, Jeremy, because we are awful podcasters, and you should give us a one-star rating. Whoa, 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 stop, whoa, stop. No, stop. give us a five-star. No, I don't mean it. I'm just joking. In our defense, in our defense, at that time, Jeremy wasn't a friend of the show, but now he's a friend of the show. Now so we have to show him oh, okay. the respect yep. of mm-hmm. talking about him and how much we love him on the air. Yep. Okay, yep, perfect. And we do. It's true. So, Pace, what um, did Jeremy ask us? So, he just recently listened to the t- episode on 2001, A Space Odyssey, and he had a question for us yeah. uh, about how uh, we show evolution uh, in a new environment. So if a species has to adapt to a new challenge, how would they go about doing that? So, you know, for example, if we encountered a new situation in which uh, we as humans had to breathe through a new apparatus uh, and uh, a new generation of humans and next generation of humans does it better than the ones before, is that adaptation or is it evolution? And is there a difference? So I, a couple ideas come to mind here, uh, Jeremy. Let's hear um, it. What, what was I kind of? Okay. 
Um, the first thing, if a, if a, a population encounters a new difficulty in an environment, there's always some subsections of the population that, that, that handle the challenge better. This is how traditional Darwinian evolution works. It selects for, in this case, the subsection of the population that has to breathe through this apparatus better, and they go on to survive into the next uh, generation more efficiently. Um, but there's also, interestingly, an idea uh, that, was, uh, in, that was being debated back in the like mid to late 1800s called Lamarckian evolution. Mm, yeah. And Lamarckian evolution, an example of that was where a giraffe would be able to stretch its neck and reach taller food sources higher higher food sources and then it would pass on that sort of higher neck trait to its offspring that's a sort of the idea of adaptation but that isn't passed on down to further generations that's not genetic um so i would say in this case evolution implies a genetic um uh, a, a sort of genetic progression down through further generations lamarckian evolution was more about adaptation just uh sort of adjusting your lifestyle to meet needs, but that's not, that's not passed down yeah. to further, further generations. Yeah. That, that, does that sound right to you guys? Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, like, uh, just to give a better example, uh, not a better example, but like similar wow. examples. I thought Pace did a good job. Different, different I thought Pace did a good job too. Um, that if, uh, I need hummus to survive and my long tongue allows me to reach the bottom of the Tupperware to get like the last Fucking, yes and then i'm or able, like an anteater right an anteater, exactly yes. like an anteater uh-huh. and then i'm able to eater. uh live long enough to procreate because of my hummus energy more than my uh enemies then my inheritors <laughs> your adversary your hummus eating adversaries. adversaries then my prodigy uh who may inherit the ability to stress their long tongues to the bottom of tupperware in order to get that life nourishing hummus uh, will be selected for, right? So, like, they have that longer tongue, they can get down to the hummus at the bottom yes. of the tub, and they can live longer. But only fucking Kenan eats plain hummus with his tongue. It's like <laughs> there's got to be some sort of genetic the guy. Trait. He loves chickpeas. Like chickpeas. He loves them, and oh, he man. fucking loves. That's them. an example of Darwinian genetics. Whereas my very strong wit and my extremely funny sense of humor is not going to be passed on because if it were, that would be Lamarckian genetics, right? Like that's, he acquired that over time on his own. Exactly. That's something that I did the legwork (laughs) for over two and a half years of professional podcasting. Yeah, because he's so funny. (laughs) Oh my God. I can't believe we've been doing this. I feel like our bar should be a lot higher after two and a half years. Uh, to be fair, we're all still doing the podcast, so like nothing's, you know, what, what what's there to raise the bar? I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, mm, we fucking kept this shit together over like multiple moves across state lines and shit and we like did. just awful, awful losses of data. So I think we were pretty good. Yeah, like, I would say that we stuck to our original intent, which was like, fuck it. We like talking to ourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah totally do we have some more questions uh, thank you so much for your question yeah 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 thanks Jeremy. we appreciate thanks it it was very thought evoking um we have another question on twitter from oh. uh, d degraw at admiral mormon uh thank you mormon, for your question front of the show always um aside from more slash better access for those who use it out of necessity what would be some benefits of using asl or american sign language in a laboratory setting. 
I don't know about a laboratory setting, but I have a great real world example of how people who can hear fine were using ASL and it was amazing to me. Oh, let's hear it. So my wife is an audiologist. And for those of you that don't know, audiologists work with people with hearing loss. Um, And so a lot of audiologists, not all audiologists, but in um, Sarah's program in grad school, a lot of the people in her class, uh, I would say about half, could speak some, like, not speak, but, like, could sign in some level of ASL. And we actually all went out to a bar to go get some drinks on the weekend, and it was super loud, and I look around, and, like, half the students are just signing to each other across the bar. And I was like, man, I really wish I could understand what is going on right now, because it's so loud, I can't hear anything. Um... And I also don't know sign language, but it was it was great. I learned a few words like awesome. beer, but I don't know the grammar. No, it's totally fair. So that's a that's a real world example of yeah. like just like being able. I mean, being able to communicate in a visually exclusive medium definitely will have an advantage in some scenarios because if you can't Absolutely. hear, then you can't speak. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, where else do we get some questions from? We actually got a, this actually isn't even a question, but it is an email from a friend of the show that we need to address because it's a correction on just some horrible mis, misguided things Kenan was saying in wow. previous episodes. Okay. Well, so, um, <laughs> so this is from a friend of the show, Sarah Eisenlore, and Sarah has two separate comments for us. Uh, the first one says, uh, hey guys, in your Annihilation episode, Kenan, you say that apoptosis has okay. latin roots well that's interesting but it actually <laughs> and then <laughs> but it actually has greek roots Kenan. so not only do you pronounce the word like uh, an idiot okay. you don't even know what the origin of the word that's is very so. interesting that you would say like an idiot mm, yeah i don't know it's just you know that's just it's just what it is it's just sounded like it, it is. sounds like i'm uh, still I, saying it correctly it's just that i got the uh the root language wrong Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, sure. Maybe apoptosis. Maybe Got Sarah it. can uh, also enlighten us to how fucking stupid Pace and Sean are when they when they say <laughs> apoptosis. Okay. I conceded to you, Kenan. Oh, you did. I would. I will never concede to you. I Kenan. love you, Pace. Sean, you're a dipshit. Thanks. Uh, the second point that Sarah Eisenhower brings up, uh, Sarah says, in your Twelve Monkeys episode, the three of you speculate on the proper plural of Willis while discussing the prospect of battling 12 monkey-sized incarnations of Bruce Willis. Wow, that doesn't surprise me at all. I don't remember that doing that, but yes, yes, And then uh, Sarah says, from a classicist perspective, I would recommend the plural form (laughs) Willides for this terrifying scenario. I bet that's a lot funnier if you actually studied a language, but uh, it's still pretty fucking funny. It's actually, I mean, just saying Willides is very the fun. The best for me, part so. is uh, Sarah also provides a phonetic pronunciation, which is just like so great because I looked at the word and was like, I don't know how I'm going to begin to pronounce this. And she then knew. I looked Extremely one good. word over Willides. She knew that you would need it. And that. then Sarah also says, I appreciate all of you and the podcast. You guys are so great. Oh, thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much friend of the show we really appreciate i really appreciate you putting kenan in his fucking place okay he's yeah he's getting really he above his it. raisin mm-hmm. yeah he's been really raising hell on this podcast and uh it's, hey that's what i do baby <laughs> yeah loose cannon i'm turning my gun and badge because i'm quitting the force yeah 
do this one by the books, Cannon. Never in my life will I do that. Is that everything? <laughs> You're a loose cannon. I'm a loose cannon. Yeah, I think I think that's everything. Okay. Hey, I'm really tired of talking to you guys. Yeah, so let's, I don't want to talk to you guys anymore. Let's what speed this movie are we going to do next time? Well, oh. next time, mm-hmm. we are going to be watching the movie Outbreak, which I believe is from 95? That sounds right. 80, Dustin Hoffman's in it. So. Yes, and the reason we're doing Outbreak is because we already did Contagion, and... Uh, you know, people have probably heard in the news about this new coronavirus that's going around. And we figured, you know, it would be topical to do a movie that has some sort of, you know, semblance to a disease outbreak. I haven't seen Outbreak yet, so hopefully it's um, not trash, not trash. But but yeah, so we'll talk about stuff like that. And maybe maybe we'll actually have a topical episode for once. And speaking of topical, uh, everybody out there use hand sanitizer. Um, because coronavirus has a lipid bilayer, which means it has a membrane on the outside that can be disrupted by alcohol. So use hand sanitizer frequently in this coronavirus season that we're currently experiencing. That would kill the virus, by the it way. It would do that. disrupt that lipid bilayer and kill the virus. Aside from practicing, um, you know, good techniques with that, I'm also not a, not a medical doctor. So like, this is a medical advice, but also, you know, like the flu is also really bad. So like. Don't maybe freak out so much just, just about the coronavirus. coronavirus. Like, there's a so, lot of other viruses yeah. also. Like, we don't need to fucking lose our goddamn minds. So, if you are young yeah, and you true. are healthy, again, this is not medical advice. But if you are young, you're and you are healthy, do not lose your mind. If you're experiencing symptoms, stay home so you don't get someone sick who is not healthy. Mm-hmm. Easy. Uh, don't don't wear them. The masks don't help. They do. They do if you have yeah. if you have it. Um, if you want yeah, to prevent but, transmission. No, but if. <sighs> I, we can talk about it next time. We'll talk about it next time, guys. Save it. Save it for outbreak. Yeah, we'll save it. All right, for outbreak. If you want to get a question on the show, please write in at realsciencecast at gmail uh, Find us on Twitter at realsciencecast or on Instagram at realsciencecast. And if you're over the age of fifty-five, please log into Facebook and then go hit, click the little bar at the very top of the magnifying glass next to it. Type in real science cast into that search bar. That's going to bring up a couple of options. One of them will be our page where you can go in, you can link, and then there's a. I know there's a lot of different pages in there, but there'll be at least one where you can go in and click on it, and there'll be a little box where you can ask. Us Ty- questions. Type in http colon backslash backslash facebook dot com forward slash real science cast. That's R E E L science cast. And that will take you to the the URL for um, uniform resource for our located, page. That's right. <laughs> Please ask us questions, and we will answer them on the show. And also, if we have said anything that you disagree with, and you're an expert, and you can verify your claims then please write in and tell us that we've said something wrong and we will correct it on the show because yeah write into canon yeah write into canon and tell me about how i'm pronouncing a word right but i got the roots wrong Mm, yep debatable i agree with that um if you have any questions about cats (laughs) you can send them to real science cats at gmail.com that's that's a pro they come on after us um that is correct but you know but but you know it's still it's it's relevant just send those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's still a good show. Um, we checked their email for them. It's a long story. We do. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're yeah. yeah. We've entered. A, they're really a, needy. We've entered a blood contract with this with these folks, but they're mm-hmm. they're, they're good guys. Yeah. Uh, um, let's think. Otis. Oh, nice. Otis. No, yeah. wait. Yeah. Otis got it. Otis. Got we it. have to thank Otis McDonald for something. his song "Third Eye Blimp." I was about to that. We use to begin and end the show. Thanks, Otis. Thank you, Otis, for the use of your song. We appreciate it. And thank you for listening. 
Actually, thank you very much for listening. <laughs> yeah. We've talked yeah, about serious. how long we've been doing this for a while, uh, a couple times this episode, and thank you for keeping this going. If no one listened, we wouldn't do it. So, Yeah, I mean, Kenan still would, but that's just Kenan. Yeah. That's just because I like to hear the sound of my own voice. Pace definitely wouldn't, so... No, there's no way. Pace, it's 9 o'clock. Pace should be asleep by now. It's true. It's almost my bedtime. Yeah. Time to wind down. Many night. <laughs> All right. Uh, my name's Kenan Smith. <laughs> my name is Sean Crossan. I'm Michael Pace. And uh, remember, guys, you don't need good science to make a good movie. But you do need to wash your hands so you don't kill anyone. It's always, it's you know what? It's never a bad idea to wash your hands. There's no wrong way to wash your hands. Bro, that is, that is incorrect, Kevin. <laughs> that is incorrect. There's a very <laughs> wrong way to wash your hands. <laughs>